Today is August 19th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Let's talk about boxing. Last weekend, we got the return of Tiafimo Lopez. Tiafimo made his debut at 140. He looked like he was doing a few different things. He was, number one, knocking the rust off. It had been about a year since the Cambosos loss, which was the first loss of his career, devastating loss. And then... It also looked like he was gaining his confidence back in a new division and just really getting comfortable with the weight. And I think all three of those things were accomplished Saturday night in Vegas. Tiafimo Lopez looked great. There was a few things he could definitely work on, moving his head a little bit more, going to the body, which he acknowledged, and just sharpening up his defense a little bit. But other than that, I thought he looked great. I thought the athleticism was there, the confidence was there, the cockiness and showmanship that we've come to expect from Tiafimo Lopez was all still there. The explosive power was still there. Although it's at a different weight, it may take a few more shots to wear these guys out as opposed to at 135 where he was always the bigger guy. He could knock guys out with one punch. Here against a durable 140 pounder, it took a few shots. It it did come though. The damage did take its toll in the later rounds. I believe he dropped his opponent in round six, and then ends up finishing him in round seven. Really calculated early. It didn't look like he was rushing too much. There was a few things. He was off balance a few times, throwing those left hooks. And I noticed that the first time I really noticed that was in the Cambosis fight, where he was missing. He was actually leaping off the ground like Joe Frazier, jumping with a left hook at the same time. And I believe that's the shot that knocked out Magdaleno. So I think he kind of fell in love with that shot. It's a habit that he has now of throwing it and missing with it. And when you miss with a shot like that, when you're actually leaving the canvas, jumping in air and throwing a power shot, you're going to be off balance. And it leaves him really open. He didn't get caught with anything, even in the Cambosis fight. He didn't get really get caught in transition when he missed the shot. But the way he's off balance, if a shot does land while he does that, he's going to be in big trouble. I think he needs to... Reel that in a little bit. He throws it a little too often. He missed with at least three of them in the fight against Tampa. So I don't know if that's something that he's just so used to throwing it, but or just loved the knockout, the highlight reel knockout it resulted in last time against Magdaleno. But I think that's one of the things that stood out to me that I think he really needs to just cut that out because that the risk is not worth the reward. Yes, when that shot lands, it looks beautiful, but if you miss that and get caught at the same time with a counter, the chances are you're going to go down because you're so off balance, your feet aren't placed. It could end bad for him. So I don't want to see him really throwing that. If you do throw it, maybe throw it late in the fight, but definitely don't throw That's not a punch you throw four times in a fight. That's a one time per fight type thing. If you hit it, beautiful. If you miss it, abort the mission, move on to something else. But all in all, I thought Tiafimo Lopez looked really good. I thought Xander Zayas on the co-main, obviously, he wasn't fighting any of like top-notch competition. He's still a prospect, still only 19 years old. But I think he looked impressive, and I can't wait to see what's next for him. He's a guy that loves to stay active. Maybe he'll be on the Tifimo Lopez card that is rumored to take place in December. Tifimo himself said it's December 10th, I believe, in Madison Square Garden. He claimed it would be a pay-per-view. That is something that remains to be seen. But I love the confidence, and I love that he wants... A big fight. He doesn't really want to fight an Arnold Barboza, who is a top 10 guy, but he'd rather fight a Regis Progre, a Josh Taylor, a Zepeda, a Jose Ramirez, guys like that that are in that top five. 
forget top 10. He wants the cream of the crop at 140. He said he's coming to take over. So we'll see. I'm just glad he's back in the ring in a loaded division. And whatever he does is going to make headlines. He does have that it factor. And I'll be rooting for him. But this weekend, that was last weekend. Last weekend was about the lightweights. This weekend is about the heavyweights. The heavyweight championship of the world. Three out of the four belts. The other belt, the WBC, is held by Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury claims he is retiring. He vacated the Ring Magazine title. It remains to be seen if he's going to actually go through with it and vacate the WBC. I think they gave him like 30 days or something like that, maybe 60 days. They gave him a timeline, so we'll see what happens. I personally think he's done. I don't think there's really a reason other than the mob ties. The Kinahan investigation, all that drama, the stuff that it's really behind the reason why Tommy Fury, the brother of Tyson, couldn't enter the United States for his fight against Jake Paul. It's all tied together. I think there's a bigger story behind this that Tyson Fury is not letting us know. Um, the media isn't doing the best job either. Boxing media is very... It's the wild, wild west. They they pick and choose so much. It's crazy because they don't want to lose access to certain people. So they aren't really digging deep into it as they should. But I think it's all tied together. I think that Tyson Fury is involved. And that's why he's probably going to retire. But if I could be wrong. You never know with Tyson Fury. He's very um, unpredictable. He's a roller coaster. He's up and down. He'll say one thing one week. The next week, he'll say the complete opposite. Who really knows? But at this point, he literally has announced his retirement more times than he's defended his championship. That's the issue I have with Tyson Fury. As a talent in the ring, historical, he's a guy that I think competes at a high level in any era. That's how good I think he is. But as um, a person and just how erratic he is, I can't really get behind him because he lies a lot and he says a lot of weird stuff. I just, you don't know what that guy. But... Not defending your championship, to me, as many times as you can. He only has two defenses. That's Deontay Wilder and Dillian White. Those are his only two defenses of the World Heavyweight Championship. So I, I would like to see him add to that. If you're going to go down as the best heavyweight of this era, you have to fight the winner of this fight. Anthony Joshua or Alexander Usyk. You've got to fight one of these guys to prove that there is no doubt about it. Yes, you fought uh, Deontay Wilder three times, which is amazing. But a lot of people who claimed, it's funny how this works, a lot of people who claimed Deontay Wilder was a bum, didn't really have skills, this and that, are also the same people that praise Tyson Fury for beating him and, and hold him with such a high regard. It's like, wait a minute, if Deontay Wilder isn't as good as you thought or, or as he's being portrayed to be, then why are we praising Fury for beating him? Like, what what sense does that make? If, if Wilder's not that good, Fury shouldn't get this credit. The reality is, Deontay Wilder is that good, and so is Tyson Fury. We just want to see him in with other guys of that level. Usyk, Joshua, two guys that are legit heavyweights of this generation. If they don't fight, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to really defend this era of heavyweights. I think it's a good era, and it's getting better, in my opinion, with the guys that are coming up. So make the fights happen, Tyson Fury. If you're not going to retire, don't come back and fight Derek Chisora for a third time. Nobody wants to see that. 
we would much rather you see, see you become the champ, the undisputed champion, by fighting Joshua or Usyk. That's all I got to say about Tyson Fury. But on to the fight. The heavyweight fight. Something different about heavyweights that I love. There's the heavyweights and there's really everyone else in boxing. The heavyweights sit at the top. It's to the point where there's so much boxing this weekend. This is a loaded weekend as far as different cards, different networks, different divisions. But when someone texts me who's a casual boxing fan and they say, hey, what time is the fight? I know they're talking about the heavyweight championship of the world. It's big. It brings in the casuals. Heavyweights for the championship for the world? Oh, yeah, I'm in. You could sell that very easily. So uh, Usyk and Joshua, this is their second time in the ring. First fight was awesome. Really competitive. Um, really masterful display by Joshua. The movement was so incredible for Alexander Usyk. It was really a master class. But it wasn't all his doing. It was also a combination of Usyk's skill, Usyk's preparation, Usyk's mindset. All top-notch. I love Usyk, one of my favorite fighters. I'm not questioning that. But also, you have Joshua on the other side with a puzzling game plan, whether it's him or his trainers, to just box with Usyk. I don't get that. That's like when, when Canelo fought Floyd and he was trying to outbox him. Like, Why are you trying to outbox a master boxer? Joshua, you have power in both hands. You have the ability to end this fight with one or two shots. Why are you limiting your output? Joshua needs to come into this fight much more aggressive. Now, he he changed his trainer. He is now under the tutelage of Robert Garcia, who is a much more aggressive style, Mexican style, come forward. Joshua needs to implement that. Joshua has the habits of being cautious and not taking as many risks as he used to. I think it has to do with getting rocked. A lot of people point to the Klitschko fight. That was a war. Absolute classic. If you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch it. Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. Amazing fight. Joshua gets gets rocked in that fight. He gets dropped with a big uppercut. And it was a war. So... I think that does have a lot to do with why Joshua doesn't take as many risks as he once did. Before that Klitschko fight, Joshua was throwing 57% power shots. More than half of his shots were power shots. And now, he's throwing 64% jabs. Much more jabs since that fight. So it's hard to say that that fight didn't affect him mentally. To the point where he doesn't want to take that punishment again. He doesn't want to. But I will say, we can knock him for that. And rightfully so. But we can't forget about Joshua's toughness either. If you go back to the Ruiz fight, he got dropped, what, three times? Maybe four times in that fight? He kept getting up four times, okay? The fight ended with Joshua on his feet. He didn't quit. He kept getting up. He got up against Klitschko. The guy is tough. I'm not going to say he isn't. Because he wants to be a little more cautious, okay, I get it. But the time for that has to be over in this fight. If you're going to win this fight, Joshua, you have to be much more aggressive. Honestly, I would train for this fight as if it's like a five-round fight. He needs to go all out for five rounds. If he goes past five rounds, he's going to gas out. He's not going to win the fight. 
But if you can give it your all for five rounds and be the bigger man, he outweighs Usyk by, what, I believe, 20-something pounds, 22 pounds, something like that. He's the bigger guy. He's the much heavy-handed guy, heavier-handed guy. He can land big power shots that can change the fight with either hand. Deontay Wilder, we talk about him as being the biggest puncher in the division, but he's a right-handed puncher. His left hand does not have the same emphasis on it, does not have the same oomph on it. The right hand puts people to sleep. Anthony Joshua, on the other hand, he can put you to sleep with either hand. That's the difference. Anthony Joshua is extremely heavy-handed with both hands. He needs to land something big early on Usyk. And I mean, once you hit him with something, you need to follow it up. Because in that first fight, well, like I said, it was a really good fight. It was competitive. Joshua did have his moments in there. He, he rocked Usyk a few times, once to the body, a couple times to the head with a straight right hand. But he didn't follow up. He was too cautious. He was waiting a little bit too much. No, you need to jump in on Usyk. Yes, Usyk can move exceptionally well, better than any heavyweight in the world. But when he's hurt, and he did get hurt, he admittedly was hurt in that first fight. He said, this guy sent me up with Elon Musk to the moon. He said one of, one of Joshua's punches had him in a different world. And the body shot, you could see how visibly hurt Usyk was and backed up. He fought well after that. He took it well. Because Joshua gave him the chance to breathe. Joshua gave him the time he needed to recover. You can't do that in this second fight. You need to jump on him quick. Fast. Yes, your feet aren't as fast as Usyk's. But when Usyk is hurt, you have to dive in there. Go for it all. Throw a combination. Maybe the, ref's, maybe the ref gives him a standing eight count. Maybe the ref stops it. You never know. You got to get in there and give it your all for five rounds, Anthony Joshua. Don't train for a 12-round fight. Don't expect this to be a 12-round fight. Say, this is a smaller man. I cannot allow him to invade my division and take all my belts. Can't allow that. We'll see, though. It's hard to learn new tricks. It's hard to break old habits. And Joshua, for the past few years, has been extremely cautious even in the rematch with Ruiz, yes, he won the fight. Yes, it was, I called it a great performance because it was. He was on his toes. He was cautious in that fight. It was like, just win. But there was no sense of urgency. Yes, he did. He just wanted to win, which is fine. But at the same time, you had a Ruiz who was out of shape. Ruiz's feet were never fast. His hands are extremely fast. But Ruiz never had fast feet. Yes, you were moving around, jabbing, but where was the big combination? Where was the risk to really hurt the guy? Where was the urge to just put another man on his ass? We didn't see that. We have to see that in Saudi Arabia on Saturday. That's really the only chance that Anthony Joshua has. He has to go all out. I don't see it happening, but I think... The way the, if you're a gambling man, the way the odds are set up, I think it's smart to bet on the under because I think that's AJ's only chance. I don't think he can win a boxing match with, with Usyk. I don't think anyone can win a boxing match with Alexander Usyk. I really don't. I think that is how skilled this man is. He's one of the great talents of this generation. 
His rise to the cruiserweight division was historic, in my opinion, the best cruiserweight run of all time. The only person you could argue is Evander Holyfield. That is how high-level Usyk stuff is. It's just a shame that it wasn't recognized as much as this heavyweight run is now because there was no stars in that division. doesn't mean there wasn't great fighters. There's plenty of great fighters in that cruiserweight division when Usyk was in it. Maris Bradis, uh, Murat Gassiev, uh, Dortikos. There was a lot of high-level Marco Huck. There was a lot of high-level cruiserweights at that time, and Usyk was running through those guys. Then he fights Tony Bellew, destroys him. The knock on that fight was, oh, Usyk doesn't hit hard. He knocks out Tony Bellew viciously. Usyk's run has been historic, and the thing that's great about it Forget the great champions he's beaten. Forget that he's undefeated. Forget that he barely loses any rounds. Also, this guy was doing it all on the road. Fighting all those champions on the road in their backyard. Including Anthony Joshua in the first fight. This fight, different. Neutral site, Saudi Arabia, different aspect. Maybe the crowd isn't going to be all on Anthony Joshua's side. We don't know. Usyk has been buttering up the fans when he goes over there. You can tell... This crowd has really embraced him. Usyk is a fun-loving guy. You see him, he's always joking around. They call him the Joker. He dresses funny. He gets stupid haircuts. He's silly. He's laughing. He's always dancing. But when that bell rings, he is a psychopathic killer. This guy is different. He has screws loose. You can tell. This guy is mentally prepared for anything. For war. This guy was literally involved in the war between Ukraine and uh, Russia. This guy was on the front lines, maybe not the front lines, but the guy was involved in armed combat. He was involved in protecting his country. Did he shoot a gun? Who knows? Probably not. But he was there. He was willing to die for his country. He says this boxing stuff is nothing. I was actually in the trenches. So you get a guy that's fighting for his country, a guy that has already proven he can beat Anthony Joshua. I don't see Usyk losing this fight. The only way is if Joshua can jump on him and land something big early. Other than that, I think this is going to be Usyk. I could see Usyk stopping AJ late. I really can. I think the pressure, the volume, um, the mental pressure too, the movement, it's just too much for AJ. AJ is a great fighter, but Usyk is a master. There's a difference. He's a master of his craft. Anthony Joshua was a late starter. This guy Usyk was fighting at a very young age. Highly skilled, highly trained, coming from the same trainer as uh, Lomachenko. Lomachenko's father was the Ukrainian Olympic team coach. So this guy is an Olympic gold medalist. He just has an extremely deep pedigree of boxing. Amateur record is insane. Like He's just been doing this for so long, and it's remarkable that he's carried up from like 190 pounds, now he's weighing in at 220. The weight hasn't slowed him down much. Yeah, his his output is a little bit less per round, but it's still higher than pretty much any other heavyweight active today. Guy's different. In the first fight, he landed 63% of his power shots, and that number can go up in the rematch. That's the thing. That's the crazy thing about it. As well as Usyk performed in the first fight, I think there was a lot of things he could have done better. He didn't go to the body. We talk about Tifi Malopez not going to the body. Usyk didn't go to the Joshua's body nearly as much as he could have. 
I think that's going to be a factor in this fight. For both guys, really. Body punching is going to be a huge factor in this fight. Because Usyk was hurt to the body, and he didn't really test Joshua's body as much as he could have. Especially early. You want to tire AJ out, jump on him early to the body. Because in the 12th round, AJ was gassed, and Usyk was unloading bombs that could have stopped the fight. If he would have stepped on the gas a little bit earlier in that 12th round, he could have got Joshua out of there. The fight ends with Joshua hanging in the corner with his head down for several minutes. Up until the fight uh, scorecards get announced, AJ is in his corner, heavy breathing with a towel around him, trying to cool him off and get his faculties back in order from the punishment he was taking in that last round. Whereas Usyk knew he had it win, knew he had it won, drops to his knees, starts praying like, thank you, Lord, for what I've just accomplished. He knew he had the heavyweight championship won. Joshua looked like a defeated man who was happy to survive the fight. Body language was insane at the end of that first fight. That has to linger in the back of both men's minds. Usyk, knowing what he did to Joshua, knowing that he could have had it stopped if there was a little bit more time in the round, and Joshua knowing, hey, I'm lucky to have survived this fight. I'm lucky to have finished this fight on my feet. I don't see this fight going 12 rounds. Either way, I do not see it going 12 rounds. I think maybe a ninth round TKO for Alexander Usyk. That's how I see it. Joshua is going to have tremendous heart. Joshua isn't just going to give up in there. He is a very tough guy. I think underrated um, overall. I, I was never a big fan of Joshua, but I do have to say he is a classy individual. He represents the sport great. He... Um, even in defeat, he's he's quick to say, okay, I lost, yeah, I could have done things differently, run it back. He did that with, with Ruiz, and he's doing it again here. He's not shying away. He's not running and hiding. He's running it back and trying to prove that he can right his wrongs. You have to admire that in a fighter. Also, his resume. We look at Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, and don't get me wrong, two great heavyweights. Those guys are top level. But Anthony Joshua is right in that conversation. And Anthony Joshua, believe it or not, has the better resume. And I don't even think it's close. He has the better resume of opponents. Yes, he hasn't fought either one of them, but those guys haven't fought him either. That's a different story. But every other opponent, he fought Klitschko just like Fury did. And his fight was much more entertaining, much more competitive, much more of a war. That win was more impressive to me than Tyson Fury's snooze fest win against Klitschko. That's just my opinion. But fighting guys like Charles Martin, fought Dillian White before, um, just like Fury has. He fought a lot of top 10 guys. Joseph Parker, um, Pavetkin, Andy Ruiz twice, Pulev, uh, the second fight now with Usyk. Like, this guy is fighting top competition. Maybe the competition isn't as elite as we want it to be, but as far as the top 10 guys in the heavyweight division in the last 10 years... He's fighting more of them than Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder did. That's just a fact. So, as we, as I said earlier, Joshua is a really good boxer. Great boxer. Awesome fighter. Represents the sport incredibly well. But Usyk is a master, and that is where there's a difference. Expect to see fireworks. It's the heavyweight championship of the world. It's for all the marbles. Three of the belts. All on the line. Can Joshua regain his titles? Tune in. 
on the zone tomorrow, August 20th, 2022, in the UK. I believe it is around 10 p.m. their time. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's around 10 p.m. Uh, here in the States on the East Coast, the ring walk is expected around 5.30 or 6 p.m. Eastern time. So this is going to be a little earlier for us Americans. Um, but wherever you are in the world, it is available on DAZN. Definitely tune in. Heavyweight Championship of the World. Alexander Usyk defending against Anthony Joshua, the former champion. The undercard is pretty interesting too. Not stacked, but but really interesting. You've got Badu Jack against Richard Rivera. I do not know who Richard Rivera is, but Badu Jack I'm a huge fan of. Been following his career for a very long time. He got some tough breaks late in his career. A lot of draws, like three or four draws, something crazy like that. That you could argue that he had a good, um, a better chance of winning, but didn't get lucky with the scorecards. And then Caleb Smith is also on the undercard in a light heavyweight title eliminator against Matteo Baderlik. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but as far as like showcases, you got to see Baru Jack beat the hell out of somebody. You're gonna see Caleb Smith. Beat the hell out of somebody. Callum Smith, if you don't remember, was an opponent of Canelo Alvarez, former champion at 168. He has now moved up to light heavyweight. He's looked much better at the higher weight, 175. So I'm interested to see how he looks. But like I said, I don't know much about this uh, Mateo guy that he's fighting. But it should deliver some action. Callum Smith is a good action fighter. Also, though, <clears throat> the best fight on the undercard for me by far, heavyweight matchup, IBF title eliminator so it looks like the winner of this fight is going to get a shot or at least be in the ranking for a shot at the heavyweight championship this is a good one philip ergovic versus xyli zhang from china this is going to be brutal philip ergovic an olympian one of the fighters i like to see get a title shot but he's gonna have to go against zhang this is an excellent matchup if you don't know either one of these guys you're gonna see them both at the same time against each other. So that's that's a great introduction for both guys. A huge test for each man. The winner of this will be in great position in the heavyweight division. Two names that aren't huge, but the talent level is there. Zhang, they call him the Big Bang Zhang because he drops the bomb on people. This guy has elite level power in the heavyweight division. And then Philip Ergovic is just a five-tool player type guy. He can do it all. He can crack a little bit. He can move. He can jab you. He has good defense. He's highly skilled. Um, this is going to be a true test for both men. I feel like this fight isn't getting talked about at all, a lot at all. And I'm kind of surprised because it's heavyweights. And both guys bring something unique to the table. So it's going to be a great matchup. Can't wait to see it. That is Philip Ergovic versus Xyli Zhang. Definitely tune into that one. That is something you do not want to miss. If you only watch one of these undercard fights, that is the one to see. The zone isn't the only boxing on Saturday. Like I said, this is a loaded day. The main event for that zone card is going to be earlier. Like I said, around 5.30. And then on Showtime at 8 p.m., we have a loaded four-fight card. It was supposed to be a triple header, but the Brandon Lee versus Will Madera fight was added because of the Jake Paul cancellation. This fight was supposed to be on that pay-per-view. That fight got canceled. So Brandon Lee looks like he's going to open up the Showtime card. Huge spot for him. I was actually surprised earlier in the week when I mentioned how I was excited to see the Brandon Lee fight on this card. And 
I kind of got attacked a little bit. People saying, oh, that's nothing to be excited about. <laughs> hey, if Brandon Lee's getting some haters. That means he's doing something right. Listen, you're not going to shame me into liking what I like. I like Brandon Lee. I think he's a good fighter. You guys can hate on him all you want. The fact of the matter is this. The guy's 25-0. and 0. I believe he has 23 knockouts. He has real power. Has he struggled in a couple fights? Absolutely. As every young fighter is going to deal with at some point. It's just a matter of when. The thing I like to see is how are they going to respond in the face of adversity. When you got a guy that's standing in front of you and you're hitting him with everything you can and he's not moving. He's not flustered. He's he's taking your shots well. He's still coming forward. He's still applying pressure. How are you going to react in that situation? I think Brandon Lee worked through some of that in his last fight. So I'm curious to see how he's going to be in this fight. He's only going to get better. He's only 23 years old. This is something natural. Everyone's used to guys like just running through competition. Like, no, you're going you're gonna to encounter some stumbles along the way. So I want to see what Brandon Lee looks like motivated after, if I'm getting responses, just imagine what his mentions look like. So that's the opener on Showtime, 8 p.m. Usually these cards are around 9. This one is 8 p.m. They're starting it earlier because they added a whole other fight. So it's a really good card. That's the first fight on the card. Second is Roger Gutierrez against Hector Luis Garcia. This is another sensational matchup for the weekend. Listen, Hector Garcia is getting a huge opportunity here against Roger Gutierrez. Gutierrez has been champion for over a year now. Slick fighter, but he also um, does bring that volume. He is a really active fighter. So it's going to be an all-action affair, in my opinion. Hector Luis Garcia... A guy who really exploded onto the scene. A tough Dominican southpaw. Really just grits out a victory. Overcame Chris Colbert. Upset him, actually, in a fight that nobody expected him to win. He beat him in February of this year. And now he has an opportunity to become a world champion at 130 pounds. This is going to be an exciting fight. This card, overall, is going to produce all action. Trust me, I think the DAZN card is a little stronger because obviously you have the heavyweight championship anchoring that event. But action-packed, minute for minute, this Showtime card really is going to be fun. You don't want to miss this one. Roger Gutierrez, Hector Luis Garcia, that's for the 130-pound championship. And then for the vacant 140-pound title because Josh Taylor vacated his championship or one of his championships at 140 pounds. This fight between Alberto Pueyo and... And Batir Akhmadov is going to be sensational. Alberto Pueyo, I believe, is so good that Josh Taylor said, listen, I'll take my chances in the rematch with Catterall before I'll fight this mandatory who is a high-risk, low-reward type fighter. Pueyo is a tough out for anybody. So I think he's going to win this championship. This is a vacant title. He's a southpaw. He's 20-0. He's just really technical, and that straight left hand, he lands with pinpoint accuracy. So we get southpaw against southpaw. He's taking on the Uzbekistan fighter, Batir Akhmadov, and he's a tough fighter. So this is going to be a really good matchup. I think his only loss is to Mario Barrios, who his only losses were to Tank Davis and Keith Thurman. So this guy's battle-tested. He went 12 with Barrios. It should be a good one. That's the co-main event, and then the main event, you want to talk about two warriors. Brandon Figueroa 
I'm sorry, Brandon Figueroa. The brother of Brandon Figueroa, Omar Figueroa. High volume fighter taking on the Warrior. Sergey Lipinets. Lipinets has given tough tests to Mikey Garcia and Boots Ennis. Yes, Boots destroyed him eventually, but he took some big shots against Lipinets. That was a test to me for Boots, and he passed it with flying colors. But that doesn't take anything away from Lipinets. Lipinets is a guy that'll fight you anytime, anywhere. You want some proof? Just look at this fight. He took this fight on, I believe, seven days' notice. He was ready. He stays ready so he doesn't have to get ready. He fills in for the problem, Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner had some problems of his own, mental health issues, which is no joke. A lot of people are giving him flack for it, saying it's a weight issue, it's this and that. Listen, whatever the issue is, it's clearly strong enough for him not to be participating in this fight. When has AB ever just canceled the fight? You could say a lot of things. Yeah, he's coming overweight sometimes. He has issues. Um, focusing. Doesn't really give his best. Doesn't really let his hands go in certain situations. You can criticize him for all that. But when has AB quit in a fight or on a fight? It's never happened. Even the Maidana fight. The fight in which his first loss took place. And everyone um, really points to that as the downfall of his career. Even in that fight. Go back and watch that fight. Broner hangs in tough. Broner finishes that fight very strongly and hurts Maidana late. Broner isn't a type of guy to quit in a fight. Broner's a tough guy. So I don't think that this was any weight issue or preparation issue other than something was stopping him from preparing. And people say, oh, maybe he was overweight. Yeah, well, you know weight gain is a symptom of depression, right? You do know that. Um, lack of motivation is a symptom of depression. This guy has clearly many times displayed symptoms of a man with mental health problems. It's not hard to see. You don't need a degree in psychology to realize that Adrian Broner does have some issues outside of the ring. We, we push it to the side because he's extremely entertaining. He's funny. We kind of, oh, that's AB being AB. But listen, the man says he needs help. I believe it. Sorry, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe it. I believe he does need to get some help. And I hope he gets the help that he's looking for. Because his talent level is off the charts. Does he need to tighten some things up in the ring? Absolutely. But the mental aspect of the game, and I talked about it with Tiafima Lopez, it's just as important as the physical, guys. It's just as important. So if AB, a guy who has never pulled out of a fight, to my knowledge, especially this close to a fight that I've ever seen, why are we just going to say, oh yeah, you know, he couldn't make weight or he wasn't training? Like, no. I don't believe that. I believe that he has something to overcome. Hopefully he overcomes it. Hopefully we get AB back. I think AB, whether he wins a fight or loses it, he's great for the sport because he gets people in the seats. He gets people excited. He gets people talking. He always says something crazy um, about his opponent. I'm the can man. Anybody can get it. African, American, Mexican, anybody can get it. He has so many sound bites, so many things you can go back and look up on YouTube. He's just for the culture, and the sport is better with AB involved in it. That's my take on it. And it's not like this him pulling out of the fight puts a damper on the card. 
I mean, yes, I wanted to see AB back, but this card is loaded. This is going to be a fun one. We talk about these Showtime cards, how they always deliver. This is going to be another one. Four fights here that have the potential to all end in knockout. It's going to be a fun one. That's on Showtime starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So you got zone, You got Showtime. Oh, you want more boxing? Don't worry. There's more boxing, believe it or not. Over on ESPN, you have Emmanuel Navarrete. 126-pounder taking on Eduardo Baez, defending his 126-pound championship. Listen, if you don't know who Emmanuel Navarrete is, he is simply one of the most entertaining fighters in the entire sport. Punches and bunches from awkward angles with power. This guy is fun to watch. Don't expect Eduardo Baez to last longer than six rounds that is how devastating Emmanuel Navarrete is. He's a buzzsaw in that ring. He runs through opposition. So that's on ESPN. And the sleeper of the weekend. Deep sleeper. This, I don't even think, is going to make the ESPN telecast. I don't know how, but it's not going to make, I don't think, the live um, main ESPN card. But it will definitely be on ESPN Plus, if not. That is a battle of undefeated 140-pound prospects, both Mexican, both are warriors, and both are undefeated. You got Omar Aguiar taking on Lindolfo Delgado. Aguiar is 24-0 with 23 knockouts. Delgado is 15-0 with 13 knockouts. Both guys are expected to do great things. They have to get through each other early in their career. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be fireworks. Someone's getting knocked out. This fight is not going the distance. It's my sleeper of the weekend. Definitely check it out, whether you check it out live or go back later, because I know it's a loaded weekend. This isn't a fight on the top of our brain, but it's going to be a war. Check it out on ESPN+. Plus. That'll probably be sometime in, during the Showtime telecast. Listen, there's so many fights. Catch them if you can. But it all starts with the heavyweights. Taking over on zone live, 5 p.m. Eastern. Tune in. It's going to be fantastic. It has all of the ingredients for one of the best days of boxing of the entire year. That's all I got for you guys this weekend. Don't forget to give me that five-star review. All five. Even if you think I'm a 4.1, you know, round up. Give me that five. Enjoy the fights. Give me a follow on Twitter at someone else. You can tell me how my love for Brandon Lee is insane and you can't understand it. Well, that's why it's my opinion. Everyone has one. See you guys next week.